0: Well, tonight we're going to uh, do part two of our series on the parables. Let me start by reading the parable. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And he, as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun... "...rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has an ear, let him hear." That's the parable of the sower. This is the hallmark of Jesus' parables, all of Jesus' parables. And the reason why is because it's important for two reasons. One, it's the first parable that he told, really, the first story parable that he told. And Jesus interprets this one himself for us. So we have his interpretation. And when he interprets it, he calls it the parable of the sower. The parable of solar rolls out in three steps, and it's important that we understand these three steps in order to get it. So the first step is Jesus tells the parable. We just read that. The second step is Jesus explains why he speaks in parables. We talked about that last week, but we'll talk about it more this week. And then thirdly, Jesus interprets the parable for us, and those three steps are important. So let's look at them one by one. So the first step, Jesus tells the parable. And I mentioned last week that one of our greatest hindrances to understanding Jesus' parables is our overfamiliarization with them. We're so familiar with them. And so it gets in our way that we don't really see what it's all about. And so, for instance, Mr. Capon said this, As a result of 2,000 years of familiarity, we find it oddly redundant, the parable itself. Um, we, we assume the disciples must have been pretty stupid to not understand such a simple story, And to us, the parable seems so obvious that Jesus's interpretation sounds like nothing but a belaboring of the obvious. Isn't that true? When you read it, you know, Jesus tells the parable, then Jesus interprets the parable, you're like, a lot of of ink spilled on that page for something so silly. But can I challenge us tonight to try to imagine what it would have been like to hear this story for the first time ever, like not already knowing the interpretation, just having heard it in Jesus's presence and what that would be like. So imagine this, there are people gathered around Jesus and he is going to use in his story things that are very, very, very familiar to those people. Farmers, seeds, sowing, planting. They're they're extremely familiar with that kind of thing. In fact, I imagine that as the people are gathering around Jesus, there might actually be some farmers, many farmers, (laughs) right? Wouldn't you agree? Probably many farmers there, on the beach with Jesus. Maybe even some of them still had their seed bag thrown over their shoulder. Maybe they were, you know, doing sowing just then. And they stopped by and said, wait, oh, that's Jesus. Let me go over there and hear what's going on. And then Jesus just randomly, he doesn't, he doesn't preface it with anything. He just randomly starts telling a story. And his story goes something like, there once was a sower. He sowed some seeds. Some fell here. Some fell there. Birds, weeds choked them, And then bada bing, bada boom. Some grew. The end. Do you see how crazy the parable is? There would be no way of understanding what it meant without Jesus' interpretation. No way at all. It's, he told a story that was pretty obvious. Seeds fall. <laughs> and if they fall there, birds pick them up. And if they fall there, they they grow. What's the point? <laughs> we the disciples and all the people there would have been completely confused. You and I would have been just as confused as the disciples, and we would have asked Jesus the same question that they asked him. So that leads us to step two. Step two is Jesus explains why he speaks in parables. So you see, the disciples aren't so stupid. Um, They know that Jesus must be up to something, right? Because Jesus doesn't normally say things just for the sake of saying things. (laughs) Jesus usually has something up his sleeve, and they know this this has got to mean something, so they go to him and they say, why are you talking in riddles, man? What's up? What's up with the parables? And Jesus answers them in what I think sounds like more riddles. We covered it quite a bit last week. I'm just going to paraphrase it a little this week. This is why I speak to them in parables, Jesus says. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Moving on to step three, okay? Now Jesus is going to interpret his parables. Hear then the parable of the sower, Jesus says again. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what it was to be sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while, and then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, he immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And finally, as for the one who is sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred and another sixty and then yet another thirty-fold. The end. Just to let you know in context, Jesus rolls out with another parable, which we'll talk about next week. But for now, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but when Jesus interprets his own parable, it doesn't really help. I don't I, in, in fact I feel like he hasn't answered all my questions. In fact, now he's just given me a lot of more questions. Do you feel that way? I feel really confused. I feel now that I need Jesus to give me the meaning to the meaning. <laughs> you know what I mean? What means the meaning? <laughs> Say tell me please. You don't feel that way? I have a lot of questions when I read the interpretation of this parable, so I definitely feel that way. So what I thought we would do is we'd open up by discussing the parable. What is the meaning? You tell me. What is the, can you explain the meaning of the meaning? Explain the meaning of this parable in your own words. And then also while you're at that, maybe what are some of the elements of the story that most troubles you or most trips you up? You know, I understand this part, but I don't understand this part. You know what I mean? Let's talk about this for about five minutes and because I'd be interested to know what you guys. Think about this parable. And here's how we normally think about this parable. What we normally do is we categorize the four different soils. And we say there's four soils and there's this one is bad and this one is good and these ones are in the middle. So there's four different kinds of soils. And then what we normally do is we put those on a board like this and we ask this kind of a question, which one are you? Which one of those soils are you? And then When we ask that question, naturally, the knee-jerk reaction is then to say, what can you do to try harder to become the good soil? Am I right? Someone say amen if I'm right. Okay, good. So can I just suggest, however, that soils can't change the way they are, right? A soil can't all of a sudden make themselves the good soil or the rocky soil. He's just going to have to live with the fact that he's a rocky soil. So apparently we've got something maybe wrong. Is what I'm trying to suggest. So let me talk about how I think we should interpret it. There's two ways to interpret any of the parables, really, and especially this one. One way is prescriptively, and the other way is descriptively. Does that make sense? You can is is it descriptive or is it prescriptive? What's prescriptive? If it's prescriptive, then that means Jesus is giving you a prescription. Here's what you need to do. You need to. I'm going to prescribe to you a couple of things. Don't be a rocky place. Don't get eaten by birds. Don't be a road. And be good. That would be, that would be a prescriptive interpretation. And can I also just tell you this? Once you start walking down the path of prescriptive interpretations, then you also have to answer the question of who's saved and who's not saved in this parable. And this is a lot of fun. The, the, first, the first group is clearly not saved, right? Satan done, took the word from them. They're not saved. They're going to hell in a handbasket. The last group, right? The fruit-bearing people, obviously, so saved, Right but what about the two in the middle? It's not so clear, is it? Um, you might say, well, the third category, they, yeah, they could probably still be safe because Jesus only says they didn't bear fruit. So they did receive it and they did grow, but they got choked by the worries and the cares of the world. And so maybe they're saved, but maybe they're not. Yeah, probably. They're in purgatory. <laughs> The truth of the matter is is that when we argue about that, you start to say, well, this person is safe because, like you just said, the fruit grew. They obviously received it with joy. That means they must be saved, but they're just choked and scorched by the sun. Something's horribly wrong here. And do you see, do you see real quickly how distracting that whole conversation is? It's complete, it, it takes us away from the parable to all of a sudden talk about who's going to heaven and who's not going to heaven. It's distracting, and Jesus doesn't say anything about salvation in this parable. He's not talking about who's in and who's not in. He doesn't give it one command, no imperatives, no prescriptions, okay? He's not saying this is what you need to do, be the good soil. So I don't think it's prescriptive. I think it's descriptive, which means Jesus is describing the way the world is. This is the way the world is. The way the world is is I'm going to throw the soil out there. The soil's going to get thrown out there, and some people are going to hear it, other people are going to hear what they want, and they're not going to receive it the correct way. He's not saying, and if you're this, you're going to hell. <laughs> and if you're not this, then you're going to bear fruit, and I love you. But them I hate. Right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, this is just the way it is. So it's descriptive, not prescriptive. You know, it's, it's about hearing. Did you notice that? Everything that Jesus is saying is about hearing. It's all about hearing. You've heard the phrase, seeing is believing. It really is hearing is believing. And so what Jesus is essentially saying is that when the seed goes out, different people hear different things. And the one who hears it this way responds this way. And the one who hears it this way will always respond that way. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, how how do we hear it? Jesus is fond of saying this, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And what he's challenging us with this parable is he's giving us a warning. Beware. When the word goes out, this is how they tend to hear be careful how you hear. That's why I think it's important to look at the, 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 the two steps, the three steps. So Jesus tells the parable. We got that. He explains the parable. Let me, let me, explains why he uses parables. Let me share that with you again. Take notice the context and how often the hearing is brought up. See the word hear and hearing. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many parables and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and long to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So Jesus is, 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 as you said before, the whole thing is part of the parable. This, this whole, this whole scene is the parable, not just the story. And Jesus is essentially saying, I speak in parables so that people won't necessarily hear, because there's four ways that you can hear. How are you going to hear? So that's step two. Step three, he interprets the parable. And again, you hear a lot about hearing, right? What I think is more fascinating is that Jesus doesn't just say, okay, now let me interpret the parable for you. He starts like this. Hear, then, the parable of the sower. And then he goes on. You know, the the soil hears it and falls away. This hears it and hears it. So it's all about hearing. So the question I need to know is, how are we hearing it? Do you think we hear it right? And can I suggest that obviously we don't, since we've already had like a dozen different interpretations, and most of them have been the ones that we're all still confused about. I'm not quite sure if we've really heard it. Let's, let's break it down a little bit. First thing Jesus tells us is that, there, that there is a sower, but he doesn't allegorize the sower. He doesn't tell us who that is. And then the next thing he tells us is he's sowing his seed, and he tells us that the seed is the word. Specifically, in Matthew, he says it's the word of the kingdom. In Luke, he says it's the word of God. And in Mark, he just says the word. And what we generally do is say that God, Jesus excuse me, is the sower, and Jesus is walking around sowing things called the word. It's the message, or maybe it's the gospel or the Bible, the words of God. Jesus is walking around planting the Bible. And if you've got a hard heart or if you've got a thorny heart, you know what I'm saying? That's what we normally do. But what do you normally hear when you hear the word? Right? He who has an ear, let him hear. When I hear the word, I think of the word that was made flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was god and the word was with god and he was in the beginning and he was god and all things were created through him he was the word incidentally jesus when he tells this parable he's using the word logos which is the same word that john uses when he describes the word of god the son of man jesus jesus is the word right so that what if what does that do to our parable changes it a bit, don't you think? Here's what Robert Capon says. Do you see what this says? It says, first of all, that the sower is God the Father, not Jesus. And what Jesus turns out to be, since he is the word, is the seed that is sown. Okay, think about this for a second, because it's going to blow your mind. It, blew mine. it actually makes more sense, because a seed is buried under the ground Before it can grow into the thing that it is. And Jesus Himself, the only way that He's gonna bring the kingdom is when He dies and is buried under the ground. In fact, Jesus likens Himself to a seed quite often in the Bible. In fact, in John 12, as an example, He says, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it will bear much fruit. He's talking about Himself. He's saying, I am a grain of fallen wheat and I will die so that I can rise from the dead, and then you can die and rise from the dead with me. We're all gonna die so that we can rise. Do you see how this changes the parable quite a bit? What if Jesus is the seed? Interesting, isn't it? He who has an ear, let him hear. So what does that mean? The purpose of the parable is not about you. Said this last week, I'll say it again. It's not always about you. It's about the kingdom of God. And it's about this. Jesus is saying, I want you to be careful how you hear because the kingdom of God is gonna roll out in a way that you're not gonna expect. Because you're expecting this, but it's actually going to be this. You're expecting Messiah to come charging in on a white steed, destroy all the enemies, and set up base camp right here and run the show. But instead, what's actually going to happen is the Messiah is not going to be a warrior on a steed. He's going to be a seed, a little bitty old seed (laughs) who's going to die the end. And you're not going to like that story, so be careful how you hear So the primary purpose is simply to die and be buried in the field. He will not bring out his kingdom by force. The kingdom is already here, in a sense. It is hidden. It is camouflaged in the guise of a tiny little seed that disappears in the earth. He who has an ear, let him hear. Okay, so let me just step back from the parable a little bit and talk about this thing called the kingdom of God. Because that's what the parable is about, and I think that's sometimes where we get confused. What is this thing that Jesus keeps talking about? The kingdom of God, the city of God, the kingdom of heaven. What is that? Well... Real, you know, simply, like I said, we'll unpack a lot of this over the next few weeks. It is the reign of God on the earth. The Bible promises that he will set up a city of God, a kingdom of God here on the earth, and he's going to reign over the earth. And at that time, the lion will lay down with the lamb. You've heard these parables before, these, these prophecies before. The, um, the, um, the, the weapons of war will be beat down into pruning hooks and um, plowshares. There'll be no war no more. And all things are going to be good. The bad guys are going to die, and God is going to be king, and he's going to reign. Jesus is going to be king, and he's going to reign. That's the kingdom of God. And we all have an expectation of what that's going to look like, right? Iron fist coming down, destroying the bad guys. God is God. Everyone's going to listen to me now. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. That's the kingdom of God. But Jesus is continually telling us that's a hidden mystery, this thing called the kingdom of God. It's a hidden mystery, which is why I think a lot of us just kind of skip over it. Well, it's a hidden mystery. Okay, whatever. (laughs) And why is it such a hidden mystery? Well, one of the reasons why I think it's such a hidden mystery is this. Because if the Bible is all about an almighty, all-smart God, why is it then so full of divine indirection and delay? Or to say it flat out, if God wants to turn this messed up world into a city or a kingdom, why doesn't he just knock some heads together, put all the baddies under a large flat rock, and get on with the job? If you've ever wondered that question, I have. What's taking him so long? What's going on? I mean, this promised kingdom, this promised reign, this promised glory, when's it coming? Why doesn't he just do it? Why is there so much evil in the world? And the answer to that question, again, I have to say this, we will unpack over the next three weeks in great detail, but simply tonight I want to say this, because that's not the way God has decided to do it. He's specifically decided to take a hands-off approach. And instead of knocking heads together and wiping everyone out and saying this is the way it's going to be, he's decidedly decided (laughs) to take a hands-off approach and to do kind of a hidden, backwards, upside-down, kind of a mysterious, paradoxical kind of a thing. So now, when he talks about his kingdom, up is down and down is up. And the only way up is to go down. And the only way to be first is to actually be last, and the only way to live is to die. You see what I'm saying? No. Yes, kind of. What are you talking about? (laughs) God's not saying, I'm bringing my kingdom. (laughs) Everyone shut up. Listen to me. Instead, he's going to move like this. And what turns out to happen is his kingdom has been there all along, and we just were missing it. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Interesting stuff, isn't it? So back to our parable. What does that do to our parable? My mother used to always tell me, I only hear what I want to hear. You know mom ever say that to them? No. Sometimes she was right. I I think she's right. Um, But I think it's also true when we talk about the message of the kingdom. We really only hear what we want to hear. What? Jesus is going to come down and set up base camp, and I'm going to be on the good guys team? I like that. That's what we hear, right? We only hear what we want to hear. Jesus describes how different people will hear what they want to hear. And I'm, I'm going to say it like this. Some people hear it with a hard heart, some people with a shallow heart, some with a divided heart, and some with an open heart. Those are those four soils four places. Let me unpack them a little bit. Some people hear it with a hard heart. Maybe they're all intellectual. Maybe they just can't wrap their minds around this mysterious hidden kingdom. And so it's, they've got a hard heart and the, and the, and the word, right, the, the, the message of the kingdom, Jesus himself, just kind of bounces off. And the birds eat it. Satan doesn't want you to be a part of the kingdom, right? So he's going to do everything he can to get you thinking too much and you'll miss it. <laughs> You have a hard heart, it won't. You can't, you can't. You can't receive it. Now, secondly, some people have a shallow heart, you know, or an inch, inch deep and a mile wide. You hear people say that, you know, they got all this joy, they love the Lord, they love this, blah, 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 but they're an inch deep. They have no depth. And the reason why is because they're shallow. You know how shallow people are, right? Shallow people are only concerned about themselves. And so a shallow person only cares about me. And so a shallow heart hears the kingdom as it's all about me, And Jesus is going to give me what I need. He's going to be my blesser. He's going to bless me. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to live my best life, you know, now. Uh, Timothy Keller says they wanted a blesser, not a savior. They wanted a sugar daddy, not a king. And they never transferred their trust from self to Jesus. They never said, look, I, I trust you, Lord. I'm going your way no matter what it takes. Instead, what happened was when the heat got hot, or when the wind blew, when persecution came, they said, wait a minute, I thought this was all about me. And they lost their faith, or they lost their strength, or they just lost, period. You could say they couldn't take the heat. They have a shallow heart. Uh, the next group is, has a divided heart. Um, what I think is interesting about this group is that they, they receive the word of the kingdom, they receive Jesus, and yet they even actually have some root, They do develop some root, right? And they actually begin to grow. But then worrying, and Jesus says, the deceitfulness of riches, (laughs) which is convicting sometimes, chokes them so that they cannot bear any fruit. So it's like they have roots. They know too much, right? They know the gospel. They understand Jesus. They understand to some degree, at least what most of us understand, the mystery of the kingdom. And so they can't go back to not knowing. I know people like this, I think. They can't go back to not knowing, but yet they're not going forward. You know what I'm saying? I know that this is true, but I'm not having any fruit in my life because I'm just too divided. There's too many things in my life that are more important than this mysterious kingdom. I dare say most of us are there, most of us. And then the last group is an open heart. This is someone who says, I don't understand exactly where you're leading me, Lord, but lead on. I will go. Where you send me. I don't like it even, but I have an open heart. I'll, 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 whatever you say, Father. They receive the kingdom and they take it as it is, even if it means I'm gonna have to die. I think I'll die. I think that's what the parable means. Be careful how you hear. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. So you see, the parable is not a prescription. It's not a prescription about how you need to change your soil. It's a description about how people generally respond. And it's right on, isn't it? It's right on. This is how people respond to the mystery of the kingdom. Doesn't it seem obvious, though? Because you're probably thinking this. Wait a minute, Mike. If it's not prescription, it's just description. Why does it feel so much like I need to do something? Doesn't it? When you read the parable, doesn't it just, feet, something inside of you just says, oh, I'm supposed to do something to fix this. What are we, how are we supposed, I'm supposed to respond in some way. And you'd be right, because all of Jesus' parables are told in order to get you to respond. Jesus' parables are about the kingdom of God, and you cannot not respond to the kingdom of God. Here's the kingdom, how will you respond? So we do have a, we do have a need to respond. But... <laughs> Let me say this. What I think is fascinating is it seems like most of the world responds in a hostile way. Most of the world is going to say, no, thanks. I got my own distractions going on. Sure, if it's all for me, then yes. In in fact, I would say three out of four respond in a hostile way. (laughs) Here's the kingdom of God laid on you. And three out of four say, no, thank you. Interesting, interesting. Here's the fascinating thing about that, though. All the hostility in the world does not shake the sower. Do you notice it? He just goes on sowing, and by and by, through it all, the word, which is Jesus, is sown, meaning dies, and he accomplishes his mission to establish his kingdom. Fascinating, actually. It's more of this hands-off approach, and it's beautiful. For instance, let's talk about those birds. Right, the birds? The seed lands on the road, and it cannot take root. It's like it bounced off of a hard heart, so the birds eat it birds eat, them, eat it. And the Bible often reminds us that Satan and his demons know Jesus and they know about the kingdom. Isn't it true? The demons know. And so the sower sows it, bling, bounces off you, and the devil says, I know what that is, and they eat it. <laughs> I don't want anyone else to get it. And that little bird or that little demon thinks he in some way has hindered the kingdom of God. But in all reality, he's not at all. He's just continually continuing to propel it. <laughs> I love this. Robert Capon says this, animal indigestion and excretion of seeds is one of nature's way of ensuring their distribution. So the effective power of the word is not lessened, even though the devil may try his best to digest it for his own purposes and turn it into, how do you say that word, Dave? Ophal. Okay. The word, just like the seed, still works on its own terms. So the devil comes in and says, ha ha ha, I got you, snatch it up, take it away. And then he comes over here and he plants the seed somewhere else with fertilizer, mind you. And so it grows even more. So God, see it backwards, upside down, mysterious, hidden kind of way. Jesus is saying, you think you're going to thwart me, but when you thwart me, it actually helps me. In fact, if I can push this a little further, as I believe Jesus will in the next parables, even when the good guys kill him. And they think, we finally shut up this so-called king of the Jews. Jesus is saying, that's exactly what I wanted. Because the mystery of the kingdom is that I'm a seed and I will be buried. And thank you. (laughs) Listen to what Capon says. I love this. He says, basically, Jesus, in his way, has totally aced out all his enemies. I love it. Whatever needs to be said about hostility to the word, Jesus, the kingdom, about its power and function in the Gospels, or about the presumed menace it poses in our own day. All, right? all this hostility come on us still today. The first thing to be insisted on is that all the antagonism in the world has already been aced out by Jesus. Not overcome by force as we would have done, not bludgeoned into submission or out of existence, but precisely aced out, meaning finessed, tricked into doing God's thing when all the while it thought it was doing its own thing." Pretty fascinating, isn't it? This kingdom, you have to be careful how you hear it because you're not going to like it. It's not me coming in and setting up shop and everyone gets a condo on the beach. It's me becoming a seed and dying, and I'm going to invite you to die with me. And if you try to go up against that, no worries. My word will not return empty or void. It will just get excreted somewhere else and grow somewhere else. So the, again, it's not a prescription. Here's what you need to do. It's a description of what you typically do. You typically hear it, what you want to hear. And Jesus is telling you, be careful what you hear. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Hear now the parable. Hear what I'm saying to you. It's about me. It's about the kingdom So the bottom line is this. Jesus, the word is sown by dying and it is in his death that the kingdom is made manifest. And I might add, it is in his death that you and I come to believe what we have heard. Precisely or specifically that God has loved you and he's loved the world and he gave his only son so that whoever believes should have everlasting life. So he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. So in conclusion, the parable of the sower is a warning to take heed how you hear, how will you hear. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's telling us that the kingdom comes through the mystery of dying. And he says, don't hear what you want to hear. Will you listen and enter into my kingdom through the paradoxical upside-down backwards mystery of dying? Or are you just trying to get me to enter into your kingdom? That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. They hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I will give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one, not even a bird, will snatch them out of my hand. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear.